the many people trying to navigate dating as you are healing from gaslighting, trauma, betrayal, divorce, etc. Or maybe the thought of entering into the dating world again scares the shit out of you. In today's episode, I'm going to bring on a dear friend who is currently navigating that scene, and we're going to have a frank conversation about the things she's learned about herself, others, and how to navigate the shit show that dating can often end up being. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast, and I'd love to have you be a guest on my podcast. If you'd like to share your story, get my brain on what you're experiencing or have experienced, and then have me help you to be able to get more clarity around what has been happening in your relationship, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and get on my calendar. I'll have the link in my show notes. The word of the day today is define. So Oxford Languages defines the word define as to state or describe exactly the nature, scope, or meaning of something. So when it comes to gaslighting and self-gaslighting, this is a super important word. Gaslighting happens when someone tries to define for us exactly what we should think, feel, believe, perceive. And we unknowingly take on these definitions of who we are or how we should live as if they were our own. This understanding is central to the discussion I have with my guest today and the things that she's been learning about herself and dating this past year. So who is this guest? Today's guest is Annie. She's back again today. She's the woman who has been on my podcast twice before, both times when I was sharing my story. So she was asking me the questions. This time, I'm the one asking the questions about her life. And I am so excited to be able to do that today. Welcome back to the show, Annie. Always a pleasure to have you on. I'm so excited to be here. I'm I'm really pumped to talk about this topic. Um, I feel like if anybody can derive some some <laughs> laughter or <laughs> yeah anything from like the dumpster fire dating shit show I've been going through recently, <laughs> yes. um, I'm yes. I'm ready to share. I'm awesome. ready to share. Awesome. Well, then Annie, let's do this. Um, we've been planning this episode for a while now, and kind of like you, I'm also super excited to talk about this subject. So many people have asked me throughout, you know, my coaching years at one point or another, like, what if I just end up in another relationship, like the one that I'm in, or like often, honestly, like fear of having to start over is one of the reasons people will sometimes stay in a relationship longer than they otherwise would. Like, I don't want to mess with dating. Like I haven't dated for like 20 years. Like what the fuck? I'm not going to know what to do and all the apps and swiping. And <laughs> like, that's, that's an addition to, I feel like I was fooled before. Maybe I'm just going to get fooled again, you know, like all that kind of stuff, right? So what if I end up in the relationship that I'm currently in or I just left and I tell them, and I'm sure you remember because I told you the same thing, yeah. that you're not the same. Like maybe there's a lot of the dating pool that is still the same, but you're not the same. So you won't miss things. Uh, maybe not as much <laughs> at first, you'll still miss some things, <laughs> right? But as you learn and as you grow and as you come more and more into yourself, you know, you won't tolerate the same stuff that you used to tolerate. You won't to tolerate the gaslighting. You won't tolerate the minimum, like all of the different things, right? So 
just even just starting overall, has this kind of been the experience for you that, you know, this time around, like, you're not the same. You're, you are different than when you dated before. I am absolutely not the same. And I think what I wasn't prepared for coming into it was mm. the grief that I was going to have mm. remembering who I was in my prior dating life. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I was married for 12 years. I got married right after I graduated college. Mm-hmm. So I was, I've kind of been out of the, the dating game for a while. But when I look back on my experience before, yeah. like I'm just so sad for the way yeah. that girl viewed it and the yeah. way she performed and behaved. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that and unpack that a little bit more, but I love even just starting there, right? Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the same. I am different. And I I hadn't even thought of that. Like, that's a really good point is, you know, that, that kind of thinking and looking back and like, wow, like, you know, younger Annie, like, wow, like if you knew the things that I now know, (laughs) what could have been different? Like should have, would have, could have, right? But hindsight, Mm -hmm. you know, is 2020 and we love the people that got us to where we are today. Right. So no shame yeah. for younger Annie. She was doing the best she could with what she knew and what she had grown up with and all of the things. So I know you have some fun and funny stories. I'm wondering mm-hmm. like if we just get into it and will you share some material from your dumpster fire dating chronicles? <laughs> Hell to the yes. Yes. But, I mean, isn't that what we gain from those situations? Uh-huh. And like, when you can actually sit around with your girlfriends and be like, oh man, yeah, like that was a carnival of red flags. Yeah. I saw it and then I was like, but how do I sign up for the ride? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe just a sassy little chance. Like, know, I don't know. Yeah, it looks fun. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I've gotten better about that. Uh-huh. So the progression has been positive and that's what I was looking for. Yeah. And you have to start somewhere. You have to, because you, you, I mean, that's how you learn, right? It's like the first time around, maybe you wouldn't have caught red flags and how do you catch red flags if you're not experiencing them? (laughs) Oh, and yeah. And my biggest realization was, um, the things that felt good to me that Mm. I thought were love, that I thought were positive, Mm -hmm. that I was chasing Mm -hmm. weren't necessarily good. Like signs from my nervous system that I thought were magic and were spark Mm. were, were alert systems. Wow. Wow. That seems like a really big realization. So do you have some stories about how maybe you realized some of those things? Oh, I do. Um, and I think too, like just to say ahead of time, also a big realization is that because those things are so deeply ingrained, they will almost always at first Mm. be what your brain goes to because that's what your brain knows. Like, Oh, this Mm -hmm. is it. And then you're like, wait a minute what I want is healthy. Yeah. Is this healthy? Sometimes what feels like home and what feels that, that excitement is not healthy. So what yeah. aligns with healthy? Yep. So ooh, values okay. were so coming, coming into yeah. play. <laughs> yep. So one of the first dating experiences I had, um, post-divorce was with a gentleman and he, he had all of the things that I was told I should want. Mm, there's um, that word. Mm-hmm. So Yep. Mm-hmm. A successful career. He was, he was very outgoing mm-hmm. and like, seemed like a connector, which I actually really value. Um, okay. It was something that I didn't know I valued so much. That was great. And he, he we, we kind of vibed on like a, liking a lot of the same music from the seventies that our parents liked this and that. Um, and he asked me on a date. This was on like a Tuesday. Okay. And I said, well, I kind of fill up my non-kid time pretty quickly. We could do a Sunday lunch. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, great. 
But then every day leading up to that, I was like, hey, do you want to go do this today? And I'm like, well, I kind of, you know, I told you I have plans. Yeah. Um. So those that was kind of a first sign of I feel like a not listening or b not caring that I had stated what I wanted. Right. And that a boundary was going to be crossed and that right. the things that I said weren't being listened to or didn't matter. Yep. Um. So we went on this first date and he asked a lot of questions mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, well, he's like, he's learning a lot. He's like genuinely interested. This is a good sign. Uh-huh. And then it started to feel like an interview. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And then it was the questions, like the lower his guard got, the more the questions weren't, they didn't seem like he was interested. I was being interviewed on how I would benefit his life. Wow. So like, how much do you work? And Mm -hmm. it wasn't being interested in my career or if I'm invested or how I feel about it. Right. It was knowing how much time I was going to have outside of that to do the things he needed. Yeah. And do I cook? And like, (laughs) it was just, and I I talked a little bit about, I I don't do a lot on the first date, talk a lot about my trauma, but I do openly say like, I have some things I'm working through. So I like to move slowly, just Uh FYI. Um. And he was like, wow, it sounds like you really need help healing. Wow. And like, in came that that white knight on the horse. And uh-huh. I was like, mm, nope. <laughs> I was like, no, actually, mm-hmm. I like these are all things I can do. And then the game switched to him trying to show where he could save me and benefit my life. Oh, gosh. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I really when I got home, I was proud of myself for identifying those things. Yeah. However, I realized like 10 years ago, I would have had his name tattooed on my ass in two weeks. And uh-huh. <laughs> like every one of those would have been like hook, line, yeah. user, and you're signed up for life. I start making babies. So yeah. I that was probably my first one where I realized like, wow, I am not the same. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's really interesting because you pointed out a couple of things there, right? Like it, you, you've gotta, you know, one of the things I stress in the work that I do and what I'm trying to help people with is being able to recognize the not so obvious gaslighting, right? Because it's, you know, (laughs) I can't wait till I start producing some more material because I feel like this same stuff is just being regurgitated over and over and over again. And pretty much everyone in their sleep can say that, you know, you're crazy or you want too much or any of those kinds of things are pretty easy to identify. That's not anything that this guy did. Right. In fact, right. it what I make up somebody mm-hmm. who's not in touch with the importance of boundaries um, would mistake what he did as like, oh, he's so super into me and that feels so good because we it's normal, natural human to want to be wanted. Right. Especially yeah. coming out of any kind of relationship for any of my listeners. I know this applies to you where there was times of not feeling wanted to have somebody pursuing you so strongly could feel like, oh, this guy's really into me and that feels so good. Right. But the point that you brought out was he wasn't listening to what you were saying and what your needs were and what you wanted. And that's so important, right? Like we've got to be able to identify that type of experience happening because that's gaslighting too, right? And that goes into more of the shoulds of the self-gaslighting, right? It's like, oh, like dismissing our gut, dismissing any kind of red flags and saying, yeah, but, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And then you said one other thing about something he said or did. 
I can't remember what it was now, but um, I just think it was really cool that you were able to to see those things and have awarenesses around the fact that you know what Mm-mm, this is this is not going to be a good thing, and I'm kind of done here. I think one of the other things that I saw too, he one of the things he invited me to prior to the date um, was to go to church with him and his parents. Okay, and we had not hung out like. 10 again 10 years ago I would have been like wow like he's really into me and sees me yeah. that much he wants me to meet his parents like and go to church this is amazing and like at this point I can see like that's not really necessarily healthy behavior yeah and I didn't fall for it yeah yeah <laughs> and, I mean yeah I think that yeah I think that's so important right and I think the other thing that I was was noticing I think about what you shared and about you know the experience of how we are different right like yes it's so important to um, feel like you've really upped your game and understand, can recognize the signs of gaslighting. But a lot of this stuff that we're going to talk about today has a lot more to do with the self-gaslighting and, um, you know, going into your ability to recognize the energy that was in his questioning. You know what I mean? Like to, for, again, when we have been almost deprived um, of somebody showing like interest in us or asking question about questions about us, um, we can mistake that kind of line of questioning, which is like I'm doing some research here to figure out how many of the check marks I can check off about this person versus just showing genuine curiosity about the other person and that that kind of feeling of wanting to know more simply for the joy of getting to know the other person more. So it really took me a little bit of time to be able to sift through like, is someone seeing how I check boxes and fit into their life? And Mm -hmm. or are they genuinely learning about me? Um, And I think in the beginning of dating, my brain will always err on the side of protection and caution, which Mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing because it, it, it is now where I'm at. Yeah. But one of the things I get to look to is how how do I feel? What is my gut telling me? And also, do I feel safe enough to ask this person if this is where they're at? Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, Were there any other stories you wanted to share from the dumpster chronicles or? Yeah. So my favorite, (laughs) my favorite gaslighting identifying moment, which anybody who is in the dating scene right now is going to resonate with. Okay. Is when you have the hot and cold Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you get caught in that, you know, you don't hear from them for a little bit and you're yeah. like, I like it's, it's been too long. They're obviously not interested when they reach out. I'm not responding. Yeah. And then they reach out and your uh-huh. brain gets flooded with that like excitement and you uh-huh. respond and you're like, damn it. I uh-huh. said I wasn't going to. So I'm very big on matched energies. Yeah. Um, I do have some anxious attachment that I'm healing. So I, it was big to realize like texting each other constantly all day isn't always necessarily healthy either. Yeah. Um, so what, what is healthy and what I want versus what might be some attachment issues. I'm sorting through all of that, but I had a gentleman who we were doing that hot and cold thing for about a month and you Uh watch, uh, the, you'll watch the energy and the effort start to fall off. Uh huh. Like if they could maintain a a certain energy for a while and then all of a sudden it's just too much. Yeah. That, that can be an indicator. And I realize people live lives and things like that, but 
For he sure. went, there was one point he went like four days, which to me, like, I don't, I don't oftentimes go that far without talking to my friends I care about a lot, let alone someone I'm trying to invest in as a dating partner. Yeah. And when he reached out, what he said was, Hey, are you still alive? Uh huh. And to me, I was like, That's a gaslight. Mm. You yeah, didn't reach out for four days and you're trying to make me blame myself for it. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was one of my strong favorite moments where like I saw that and I didn't question like, oh, maybe I should have been the one to reach out. Like, is this my yes. fault? Obviously, yes. I'm not being consistent enough or else he mm-hmm. would be more consistent. No, mm-hmm. fuck. Like, you're <laughs> yes. not going to blame me for this. I don't play <laughs> these. I'm out of this game. Not today, Satan. <laughs> yep. Yeah, my friends called him Captain Red Flag. Yes. You and your... <laughs> You and your funny <laughs> sayings are amazing. Captain Red Flag is an amazing title. I I make up a lot of people are going to be like, I'm on the lookout now. I'll, and whenever I'm dating for Captain Red Flag and anytime I identify that big red sea, that's what I'm just mm-hmm. like imagining, like a big red sea. I wonder if you could put, somehow put a sea in the shape of a flag. I, I don't know, but we can make anyways. a comic book. Like, dun, 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 know, right? <laughs> it's Captain Red Flag. Here to gaslight you into questioning your own reality. Yes. <laughs> That's really funny. Also, because of the hot and cold thing, it totally made me think of Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. You're hot and you're cold. Yeah. You're yes and you're no. Yeah. And even knowing what I know, my brain still... Yeah. Like, because what it always knew was the hot and cold, the begging for mm-hmm. attention, and mm-hmm. then enjoying the high of getting that breadcrumb, it yeah. still fell back into it. And I had to take some space and give yeah. myself grace. And yeah. I mean, I cried. Like, I did all the regular things. Yeah. And even though I backed out of the relationship, it still felt like rejection. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Like, the way that our awarenesses can't necessarily prevent us from feeling the shitty feels. I wish mm-hmm. they did. Right. But what they do is they keep us safe. Right. Like I remember you one time, like t- texting me and telling me how grateful you were for, um, all the stuff that you've learned because I mean, I'm not sure if this is the ass tattoo guy or not, or if this was a different one, but you told me, you told me like, I probably would have ended up marrying this guy. Yes. And instead, same guy. Is that asset? Yeah, okay. Guy. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and instead, you like dated him for a couple months or whatever, and then you were done. If he that. was, he was a one date and done. A one date. Yeah. And actually, wow. we talked for like a week longer. Okay. And he, he was the one who like stopped it. Okay. And that felt like rejection too, even yeah. though in my brain, like I knew. Yeah. It was still like, but I still want to learn. I still want to see. That one still felt like rejection too. And I I know deep down inside, it was when he realized that his regular manipulations and games Mm. weren't going to hook me in. Mm -hmm. Like to date, dating me is dating on level hard. You step your game up or you get the fuck out. Yes. And not everybody wants to do that. And that's fine. Then you're not my person or my people or anything else. Yeah. Okay. But this is a great segue um, because I think that's something that you had to kind of step into, right? Like I know as as we were kind of prepping for this, um, you you sent me a few quick little texts and one of them was like the two kind of main themes that you've really realized as you've been dating this time um, that you've been awakened to um, through your dating life this past like year-ish or whatever it's been is that the two main themes are who 
sorry, the two main themes around gaslighting awareness is who you should be dating and who you should be while you're dating. Yes. Right. So notice the shoulds, right? For my listeners, shoulds, I I tell people are almost always a red flag about self gaslighting, right? So, and, you know, quick, like two second, (laughs) maybe 30 second description of, of how I view self gaslighting is basically internalized others gaslighting, right? That we then internalize, it becomes our own voice, right? So, um, and so then it's no longer, they don't even have to say that to us. We're just saying the things to ourselves. So I feel like that was a perfect segue because, you know, here is this, as you are like trying to step more and more into being your authentic self and not doing some of the things you used to do in dating, right? To, because of mm-hmm. that anxious attachment, because of all the different things, like people are like, oh, well, if you're going to be like this piece, I'm out, right? Which is why it would feel like rejection from them, but you also didn't self-abandon. Right. Right. Um, Right. So that's a really tricky balancing act, right? To stay in that place. It's so tough. And I, the self-abandonment and the people pleasing runs 36 years strong in me. Yeah. Yeah. So let's break those down a little bit for a few minutes. And I'm curious, as you've been going through this process, what are some of the messages about who you should be dating? What are some of those that have come up from, from you, for you, not from you? What And where do you think that they've come from? So I think what I didn't realize was how deep and far back these messages went. Yeah. Um, I'm a very deep feelings human. Mm-hmm. I feel them deeply. I loved to express them. It's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times in our society, and I, it's not even always purposeful, we're taught that that is not only weakness, but it is yeah. too much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were a lot of times in my past relationship where my my very well-meaning family told me how lucky I was that I found someone to put up with me. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I am a lot. That's fine. Thank I'm a good much. a lot. That's right. I'm good a lot. Yeah, you are. So what I the message that I felt like I had been sold was that I needed to find someone who was strong. Okay. And stable because I myself was weak and unstable when it came to emotion. Wow. Strong and stable stability, like security, those are all beautiful things within sure. a human. So the problem wasn't like this is what you should find. The problem was in how I was sold defining it. Exactly. So, there, I love that strong, so much. Wait, wait, wait. Can you say that again? The problem again. wasn't seeking strength and stability. The problem was in how we defined strength and stability. There we go. Yep. Thank you. Hard. Like. So what I was taught with strength was basically not being emotionally available. Yep. Being able to go through something without talking about it or stressing about it and rub some dirt in it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move forward. <laughs> yeah. But when you don't experience those emotions, you don't you don't work through them. They go somewhere inside your mind and there's only so much room for that and it comes out somewhere else. Yep. A lot of times in addictions and compulsive behaviors, um and and anger outbursts, different things. So what I was seeking as strength was actually emotional unavailability. Yeah. Um, And instability, like it went along with that and being able to stand steadfast in like really hard and difficult moments. Mm -hmm. 
But again, that's just not experiencing the experience. Yeah. When now the way I see strength is being able to feel it and talk about it and own it all and stand in that vulnerability. Yeah. That is strength. Yeah. And there's so many beautiful humans around me that say they're too much or say they're weak for this and that. Yep. And I'm like, well, everything you show me right now is strength. You've just been taught that it's wrong. Let yep. me show you. <laughs> yep. I love it. I love it. And I, I, I love what you said there and why I had you repeat it is because that's such a crucial thing, right? Like when we start talking about truly waking up, right? Like I, f- I feel like, you know, like you talked about level hard. Like I feel like and I don't mean that this work is easy, but I just mean like the levels of progression of the work, like level easy about gaslighting is recognizing when other people are gaslighting us. Like level hard is realizing all of the things that we've taken on about how we should live, who we should be, who we should love, the the values that we have, all of those types of things have more often than not. And in fact, I would say almost always been tainted by other people and other things, right? So, so learning how, uh, you know, to unbecome and take off all of those things to find what our definitions are, right? Like circling back around to what you said, right? Like somebody, well, probably multiple somebodies told you strength was this, right? Between your family of origin, between society, right? Like different things like that. And then you're like, well, wait a second, that definition of strength actually fucked up my life. <laughs> right. And so I am going to wrestle with this and I'm going to come to a definition of what strength means to me. Exactly. Right. And I love that because it doesn't have to be the same for every, every person. In fact, when I start working with people about values and a, a side note, knowing your values is, I would almost say crucial, mandatory, even if you're going to start dating like being clear on your priority like values that you are not willing to negotiate around at all um crucial but not just what they are how you define them right because absolutely right like if you took strength and i told you to describe what strength means to you for yourself for a potential intimate partner you might have 10 different things on that list and then i might do that exercise myself for what i think strength is. And while we might agree on some of them, there's going to be a few that are different. Yes. And that's the point, right? Like not taking other people's definitions for anything, right? It doesn't mean we don't consider them. I might hear yours and be inspired by yours. I'm like, Ooh, I forgot. I didn't think of putting that one in. And that's totally, that resonates with me, right? That's different than being gaslit into taking that belief on. Yeah. When I think about all the ways where I let people tell me who I was mm-hmm. and define me and define my values and define what I should yeah. be or want, mm-hmm. I'm like, man. And then you and then you see it on the grand scale and how many people are unhappy mm-hmm. or anxious or mm-hmm. depressed. And you see you see the seed of what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're awakened to it, you can't turn a blind eye. Yeah. But not everybody's ready to get there. Yeah. So any other messages that you can think of about who you should be dating that you discovered through this process aren't exactly um, accurate for you other than strength, someone who's strong and stable? Oh, should I talk about my my like dating filter boxes? That's sure. That was a, that was a big indicator for me. So when I first started dating, um, you know, you put your filters in of what you want. Oh yeah. Yeah. And at the mm-hmm. time it was, I wanted Christian mm-hmm. 
male. Um, they're like, I always thought it was odd. They like, do you want over six foot? And I was like, I, yes, I guess. Like, I don't, <laughs> uh-huh. I just, like, if I guess if they're asking this, you know, I want big tongue, strong, like tall, strong man. Sure. Um, and then I'm going on these dates and I, j- I wasn't connecting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sexually attracted. Mm-hmm. I like, at one point I was like, maybe I'm asexual. At another uh-huh. point I was like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a full lesbian. Uh-huh. Um, I've always known uh-huh. that I'm at least bisexual, but I was like, you know, maybe this is it. But uh-huh. the issue was that what lights that fire inside of me is the emotional availability. It yep. like the things that really attract me to that connection were not the things that I was told I should want. Exactly. At this point, at, at that point, I define myself as a Christian. I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't define as only dating men anymore because mm-hmm. those things fall so actually bottom of the totem pole for me when it comes to finding an aligned partner mm-hmm. that I, I I wasn't, I didn't know what I was looking for Yeah, to know to find it. So all of that, all those boxes have changed and yeah. I'm happier in my dating life, but it it took trial and error. Yeah. And I love I love what you said there because there's there's a little bit of both, I think, when it comes to dating. And this is, you know, one of the things I think whether you're dating or whether you're in um, a, a committed relationship, I think being aware of the things that were, were are, are, where is our base like starting point, right? Is it things that other people told us that we should do or are they my own? And sometimes we don't know. Right, like some like I, I I've never like really given myself permission to ask those questions. Like what what makes me happy and what turns me on and what this and what that, right? And so kind of like acknowledging, I think that's the starting point is acknowledging there is a likelihood that I have been gaslit into some shoulds around that. And I wonder what would happen if I gave myself permission to maybe start with the boxes that I think are the boxes I should tick and then pay fucking attention to, to does this actually feel good? Not should it feel good, but does it feel good? Right? Like I remember the first time I went on a date with another woman and, um, right. Like I'd finally gotten to the places where I was done with the shoulds, but I had not had any confirmation of the things that I thought were maybes. Right. Um, and I remember texting with my sister-in-law, um, who's one of my besties and texting her about it. And she's like, how did it go? She was so curious. Like she couldn't wait to hear about how it went. I was like, I have never felt so comfortable in my own skin. And that was one of the things when you are, are able to kind of like push aside these shoulds and just be like, I'm just going to kind of like experiment so that I can find myself. Right. And, um, and then, like I said, pay attention. And I was paying attention. I was like, I I definitely had my, my thoughts and the things that I thought were going to happen, but that like those types of things are the confirmation where, yes, like this feels like, I know we've talked in a previous, um, podcasting episode where we talked about, um, you know, I forget what exactly the word was, but we talked about it being safe and joy, um, peace, peace and joy, and joy. Yes. right? And that's how we know what home is. That's what we know what is right for me, right? And um, kind of settling back into that. So I, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. That was, that was a great um, example of who you should be dating. So now let's go into the other category because um, I know that this was where 
I, I make up even more of the work has happened for you, which is um, some of the messages that you had taken into this season of dating about who you should be while dating, which is different, right? This is how do I show up? Um, do I text an hour after? Like, I mean, anything from that to like, how soon should I have sex with you? Or like any, I mean, there's a whole... I mean, I make up the ways that we could like branch off how many different ways this would impact. Like it, there's so many, right? So we could talk about that for like a week. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what were some, (laughs) so funny. Um, what were some of the biggest ones that were kind of like big aha moments for you about, wow, this is, this is another one of those things of who I should be while I'm dating, but it's not who I actually am. So as I built my own dating profile, Mm -hmm. um, the very first thought in my head was how do I build it to attract someone and Mm. attract more traffic, like traffic. Mm. Yeah. 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 And immediately my brain was like, no, Mm. you want to be authentic. You want to be you because you want to attract someone who loves your weird and your quirky. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mind that you have 75 fanny packs and (laughs) an extensive overall collection. It like, I want someone to love and see me for me, not, not what I was told to be. So that was yeah. a good sign when I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, so sorry, I'm up. still laughing about the 75 <laughs> fanny packs because you like every fanny- picture I ever see of you, you have a fanny pack on fanny pack and overalls. Are you wearing one right now? Are you wearing a fanny pack? I was when I mowed the yard, uh-huh. my yard mowing fanny pack that uh-huh. I put my phone in to listen to my music. <laughs> my neighbors have to know I'm the coolest human alive. They have to, for sure. For sure. Sorry. <laughs> continue. No, no I'm mean, like, that is a line on my profile. Yeah. Like, obsessed with fanny packs and overalls. Like Uh it's like loves Bob Ross loves to talk about pollinators. Mm -hmm. All of these are things you have to be okay with Uh to be in my presence for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But that, that automatic feeling of like, okay, who do I need to be to be successful in this? Yeah. Unlocked a door because it made me think of my entire dating life, including up to meeting um, my ex-husband was performative. Okay. Explain that. Can you tease that out for us a little bit? So everybody, we have shared meaning around what that means because I know a lot of people are going to connect with that. So I I think of, first of all, how much of my life was performative and that it wasn't authentically me. It was Mm -hmm. trying to be the best version of who I should be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even getting ready for a date or or anything like that, it wasn't like, what do I wear to be the best Annie? What do I feel Mm -hmm. like wearing today? Mm-hmm. It was like, what will he or she like the most? Yeah. What will this person I'm going on a date with, what will make them like me? Yeah. Yeah. When it should be the opposite. You shouldn't, I, I, I but that's a good should. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to walk in a room and think, oh, I hope they like me. I yeah, want to walk in that. a room and think, man, I hope I like them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that is, that's some tough undoing. You know, you it see is. every magazine in the supermarket, like, how to make men see you, how to yeah. get one and keep them forever. Like, right. why don't they say how to be authentically you, exactly. how to own yourself exactly. so no one else does? Exactly. Yeah. Preach, girl. Like, why aren't these messages, they're starting to shift. This new generation has my heart. I know, right? But it's some tough fun doing. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I think because I think we've been taught to do that. 
right? We've been taught that like, like kind of like you said, that's been the messages, you know, this is how you get your person. This is how you keep them. This is how you should dress. This is what you should do in bed. This is, you know, you should make sure you learn how to cook and like all of the different things. Right. And instead of saying, you know what, I, my job, the the thing that I can do that is going to help me most meet the person that will be the partner that is going to be the best partner for me ever is to be the most authentically me, because then I will attract the person that is going to love all of the things about me. And we can figure out if we are a good balance or, you know, like (laughs) I was having a conversation with a couple the other day. Um, and they were talking about how neither of them are good cooks. And I was like, oh, how does that work? Like, I didn't ask them, but I was like thinking this, I was like, how, like, what do y'all do? Like, how do you eat? Like, you know, and I mean, they worked it out, but, um, cause they've been, been together for a few years, but that, you know, it's like being able to be our authentic self. Like, can you imagine if, if that was actually one of your you, Hey, listen, you get to have, and I don't just mean you, Annie, like anybody that's listening, you get to have whatever your deal breakers are. When I was dating, mine was, you can't have a cat right? because I'm severely allergic to cats. And some people might be like, well, then obviously we're not a match and be like, okay, if you're not willing to kick your cat to the curb for me, then yeah, you're not my person. Um, you know, and so somebody else that might be one of us has to be able to cook. Cause I don't like eating out all the damn time and I don't want a hello fresh every day. Right. So like, each person gets to decide what those things are. So, um, you know, and those voices become loud in your head. Every time I would say that, like, mm-hmm. I don't want X, Y, Z. There was a voice in my head that would say, well, you're being judgmental and that's being too much. And like, <sighs> yeah. what if when you place these filters on what you want, nobody wants you. Yeah. And it was, it was a, it was a very loud yeah, voice in my head. Yeah. I mean, I also realized like, how long I was operating under trying to be what people should want me to be yeah, created more and more shame around who I truly am. Mm. And it, it, it just rooted in a story that if anybody actually sees you for who you are, they're gone. Yeah. So keep creating the should yeah. keep building the should. Yeah. And I got so lost. Yeah. So, um, shifting into a, a couple of things, I'm, I'm curious, what are some things that really helped you? Um, you know, make those voices quieter. I make up they're probably not entirely gone uh yet, right? She's she's shaking right. her head, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't. That's <laughs> okay. Not like gone. she's shaking her head. Um, but I also make up they're quieter than they used to be. Yeah. They are much quieter. Um, one of the big tools that my therapist gave me, and this has been a lot of work. Like Sarah, you have been an integral part of this. My therapist and my my village, my friends. Yeah. My therapist said, um, talk to your friends about this mm-hmm. and, and be vulnerable about it. And also see, like, take the people who do truly see you, who you allow to see that and allow them to love you and show up for you and tell you those things. Because yeah. I couldn't even receive hearing positive things about myself. Mm-hmm. And I always thought all this work was on my own to do. Yeah. But when you can be vulnerable and draw other people into that. And when I told people that was how I felt about myself, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to cry. The ways that they showed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was beautiful. And I had a journal. um, I still work in it about becoming your authentic self. And one of the things was text your friends and ask them if they were to um, title your your biography, what they would make it. Mm -hmm. And every single person I messaged sent back a chapter. Really? 
Mm-hmm. Wow. That's kind of cool. About who I was and how they saw me. And yeah. again, it helped me develop my own identity. It's mm-hmm. not all external, but that stepping stone helped. Well, sure. Sure. It's, I think it's anybody that I have known that has gone through any sort of chronic gaslighting um, and or betrayal and and that kind of a thing. Like we need that external confirmation, right? From safe people of, okay, this is how I think I see myself, but it's really hard to believe that when you've had somebody telling you all this other bullshit for so many different years, right? So, so it's, it's, I think it's almost impossible. Yes. The onus is on us, but that doesn't mean it's only on us. We need those people. She also gave me a really great tool. Um, I was combating a lot of negative self-talk mm-hmm. to to get behind to to get away from those stories and rooted in my truth. And she said, "Say good things about yourself out loud." Yeah, make it more comfortable. But then she also said, "See how the people around you react." Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. It's like those so TikTok around- videos where people are like, "Let me see your authentic reaction to this." <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And so I I said something positive about myself and my. My main gaslighter, um, my ex-husband goes, we get it, Annie. You're really great. Wow. Asshole. Yeah. And I like, I was like, damn, because my therapist knew that's what was going to happen. But I had gotten to the point where it was okay to start that exercise. Sure, sure. Let's try it right now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Are you really going to make me do this on the podcast? Yes, I am. Um, Let me see. I am really great at lifting others up. Oh, un- fucking understatement. Y'all, <laughs> that is like an understatement. She is, it's a gift. It's an absolute gift. She is incredible at that. I've seen it in many, many lives. Yep. And I love it. And somebody tried to skew that as codependence and external va- validation. And I'm like, no, but it took me a long time to say, no, that is my gift. Yes. And that is my purpose. And I fucking <sighs> own it. And you don't get to take that from me. You know, I'm just so tired. Okay, this is a little segue, but I just want to say something for a hot minute here because this is important. I think it comes back around. Anything can be related back to, I think, dating or even if you're already in a committed partnership. I am so tired of here. Like I get, I hear so often, let me back up and gather my thoughts. I hear so often, I heard the other day of this example of when somebody squashes are like, like, I don't know. I I make up, it's probably a little bit more on the intentional side of the gaslighting scale, but they intentionally squash the things that are like our strongest gifts or strongest places of magic because we're really hard to control if we're in our places of power. Right. So it's like those places, especially like I'm fucking hilarious. And I was told I wasn't funny. So I don't know, (laughs) I don't know about that, you know? Um, but yeah. Um, and so that's, I love that you're like being able to see those things because anybody who deserves to be your partner will see those things and celebrate them with you. And I think that's the bar that I love to encourage everyone that I know, myself, my friends, my clients to set is I want to be with somebody who sees me and celebrates me and I, and feels like they're my biggest fans. I think one of the beautiful things too is between one of the things my friends and I, like we all leveled up together yeah, and we love each other very well. And if you can't match that level, 
Bye-bye. Because my partner is that mm-hmm. level plus some. Like exactly. you've got to add exactly. something to that. Then you're not my person. Exactly. Love it. Love it. So good. So good. Well, those are all such amazing things. And I know talking about this is going to normalize a lot of people's journeys and help so many people as they are thinking about dating, or maybe they're just entering the dating world. Um, or even, like I said, been in the dating world for a while and struggling or in a committed partnership even right now. But I'm curious, do you have any other thoughts or things you would like to say to my listeners uh, before I take this into the deconstruction zone? Um, first and foremost, don't let anybody else define your, your journey. Don't let people say, don't you think it's too soon or this Mm -hmm. and that you get to decide that for yourself. Mm -hmm. You you can listen and take advice from your trusted people who know you and love you, which is also really imperative on this journey. But number one, don't let outside voices and opinions define what you do. Yep. Um, and number two, give your, I got chills before I said it, but Mm -hmm. give yourself so much grace. Yeah. I love it. Give yourself grace. I love it. I mean, for a lot of us, when we enter the dating world for the second time, we put a pressure on ourselves to not like fuck it up. <laughs> right. Kind of a thing. And right. we, we, I think we have to, um, in combination with what you just said, I love what you said. And I want to say, and I'll probably take this into the setting your alarm too, but it's this idea of life allows for course corrections. Right. Yeah. So, so for example, if I think I'm ready to date. And even if my friends are saying, I don't, I don't know, but I'm like, I think I am. And then I go out and I try dating and I'm like, um, that's a negative. <laughs> like I need to, I need to pause for a hot minute or two, right. Collect my shit, do some work. And then I'll go back out again. And I might make that decision again. Like, okay, I thought I was ready again. Maybe not. Like I need to answer another question before it, right. Like, like, just like chilling out a little bit, like you said, giving yourself some grace and understanding you're not going to get it perfect because there isn't perfect. There's just either learning and growing while keeping myself safe. Yes. Right. Or there's trying to be perfect. And in dealing with what might come up as like a rejection wound or feel like rejection, yeah. one of the things I really rooted in, um, and it has served me ever since I found it, is that sometimes what feels like rejection is really redirection mm, and you're being good. protected by something that you couldn't quite see. That's so good. Sometimes rejection is actually redirection. So yes. good. So good. All right. Well, let's take this into the deconstruction zone. In today's deconstruction zone, I wanted to focus on why self-gaslighting happens, why most people at some point in their lives realize they've taken on things that aren't in alignment with who they are authentically. For most people, the normal, natural human desire to be loved by the other person is thrown into conflict with self-love when their gaslighter is telling them to think, feel, believe, or perceive their way. Right? So you heard Annie and I talk about self-abandonment. This is almost always a result of this conflict that I just mentioned. The fear of abandonment by the other person overpowers our fear of abandoning ourselves. So we do what we need to do to win the love of the other person. Now, almost all of us do this unknowingly. And at the same time, like Maya Angelou says, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. So people who are self-abandoning 
are doing the best that they can and it serves them for a little while, but then the awakening happens and they now know that the cost of self-abandonment is actually higher than the cost of not conforming to what other people want. So let's see how we can turn this into setting our alarms today. Even though the theme of today's episode is dating, I believe anyone can apply some of the lessons and set their alarms in a few ways. So I talked with Annie about how we need to get curious about what our baseline or starting point is regarding what we value, what we need, what we want, and especially in the context of an intimate partner. So let's talk about how we can figure out what that baseline or starting point is when we are in our authenticity, right? So number one, I think it's really super important to acknowledge that there is a likelihood that you have been gaslit into taking on some things that aren't authentically you. Okay. That can be really hard because that means we have to call out gaslighting either in our family of origin or our religion that we grew up in or society. And that can be hard because again, a lot of us have this stigma around gaslighters that they're evil, you know, monstrous, horrible people, but that doesn't have to have been the case. There's lots of reasons how and why that can happen. And those things are further explained in my free workshop and my 12 week program. Okay. But for now we can just acknowledge that likely we were gaslit into taking some things on and it could have been by people who didn't know that they were doing that and had no intention to do that. Okay. So that's the first point. Super important. If we don't acknowledge that, we're probably not going to get any further on this. Okay. The second thing is to get curious, like really curious. Okay. And pay attention to the things that have been on autopilot. All right. So be gracious and compassionate to yourself and also be willing to call those things out. Okay. Once you do that, ask the following questions. Are these things other people told me that I should do, or are they my own thoughts, believings, believings, <laughs> thoughts, feelings, beliefs, perceptions, etc.? Okay. Give yourself permission to then ask these hard questions. Is this my belief, or did this come outside of myself? Does this actually feel good when I try to align myself with it? Again, not should it feel good, but does it feel good, right? Does it bring me peace and joy to align myself with this belief? Does it bring me peace and joy to align myself with this value? Does it bring, okay, settle into yourself and ask those questions. This is how we find out what our authentic baseline is, okay? And as we're doing all of this, remind yourself that life allows for course corrections. You get to figure things out as you go, as long as you're keeping yourself safe with good boundaries, right? So you might think, for example, that you took on a value because it was what your church told you to take on. And now you're like, I don't think that's my value anymore. And so then you go and you try it out and you're like, actually, it is still my value, right? Like that's one way that could happen. Or you could say, I don't think this is my value anymore. And then you go and you try it out and you're like, I was right. That's not my value. That was my family of origins value, right? Like, so it can happen both ways, but that's how we find that confirmation by questioning and then testing, right? To see if it feels like home, if it feels like peace and joy. 
Okay, so that's it for setting our alarms today. As I wrap up today, I wanted to remind you that I'm going to have some exciting new ways to go through my signature program as soon as I get all the glitches worked out. So it might take a hot minute or two, but um, I'm hoping fall 2022. Um, And the best way to stay up to date on those things um, is by following me on your preferred social media platform. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Sarah Morales Coaching, and I am now as of this last week on TikTok as deconstruct gaslighting. So deconstructing gaslighting, which is my trademark, was too long. So it's deconstruct gaslighting. So a few episodes ago, I said it was Sassy Sarah Deconstructs. I've actually opened a new account um, to be able to start over fresh. So I will have the links in my show notes. Well, Annie, thank you again so, so much for being on the podcast. I know my listeners are going to enjoy it. And I know I sure the heck did. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I truly think sharing is a huge part of my healing mm-hmm. and, you know, connections, my number one value. And this is such mm-hmm. a great way to do it. Yay. Yay. And finally, thank you, my listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it in the hands of more people who could benefit from it, please leave a review and subscribe. Additionally, if you can think of one person in specific who could benefit or who would like to be on my show, please share it with them. And remember, it's not about becoming what you want to be. It's awakening all that you already are. Take it away, Wendy. We got stars in our-